Hi guys, and welcome back to Perspective. It's your girl, Trinity. And today we have a very special guest, Mr. Clive Bintic. How are you doing today? I'm fine. Every, everything is good. Okay, so first off, I wanna congratulate you for your new position and your new space. Um, I guess a next step in your career as assistant uh, coach for Monarch's basketball team, men's basketball team. How's everything going? How's the transition so far? Uh, transition has been very, very smooth. Um, Monmouth is a unique place. Uh, it's a different place from St. Francis where I was previously employed, previously employed for 15 years. You know, right. St. Francis, St. Francis was one building and Monmouth has a campus and a, 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 an arena. So it's a the transition has been very, very smooth because Monmouth basically has more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and we you know, we have more, you know, St. Francis, I wore many hats. And Monmouth, I'm looking around for stuff to do because you have <laughs> people you have people doing, um, you know, um, more jobs over there, you know. So it's, it's, it's very easy for me. You know, some days I just sit around in the office like, oh, I need something to do. Whereas at St. Francis, I always have something to do. Mm. Do you ever like, um, I know for me, right, like I, I have a similar experience because I'm just going from high school and then now I'm in college and I was very busy in high school because I was a part of so many things and I guess, and my school is really small. So even if you had one position, you were like working everywhere else. And now I have one job, like more than one job, but like here I have one job and it's just my studies. So sometimes I find myself like, what am I gonna do? So do you ever feel like, what are you, what are you gonna do? Do you ever miss like some some sorts or some aspects of like the hecticness or the the being busy? Um, not really. Um, I adjusted. I keep myself busy. I always okay. find I always find some I always find something to do. Uh, I always you know I, a lot. I get in the gym with the players a lot, a lot more. Mm -hmm. You know, so that 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 takes up time. You know, we have 13 guys in scholarship. So I'm constantly in the gym, rebounding for guys, working guys out. So that takes up a lot of time and that and that keeps me busy more than mm -hmm. I more than I was doing when I was at St. Francis previously, because uh the gym wasn't shared so much at St. Francis, mm -hmm. but there was always an event going on, something going on. So we didn't have time, um time for to you to to use the gym. Whereas in Monmouth, we have gym is always empty and we have a auxiliary gym if the mm. main gym is is being occupied. So I just occupy my time by doing by being in the gym more. Okay. So you said previously that you spent 15 years at St. Francis. How did you like emotionally and like mentally prepare for like transitioning? Um, away from, from somewhere that you spent so much time and I'm sure you invested a lot of not just time but like emotional connections to how did how was that like preparing for the change uh, you can never prepare for change it just happens you know and and from my perspective um I was probably at St. Francis longer than I need to be because in my business and in most business you want to work for good people and the person I was working for at St. Francis was a good person. And I was comfortable, you know, but people say sometimes you get too comfortable, you don't want to leave, you know, and I felt I was comfortable because he's a good person. Because not everybody in the business of coaching college basketball is a good person. 
to, to work for, you know? So I was, I was, I was comfortable at St. Francis. And then when I got the mom of job, which I probably had the mom of job, um, a couple of years before, but you know, somebody called in a favor and I ended up not getting it. But this time I ended up getting it. I was I was prepared because I felt like time has come. I know I was there 15 years. I needed change and I needed to like step up in my in, in my career. And also my boss was pushing me um, to to pushing me out. He wanted me out. He's like, oh you you gotta go, man. You know, if something if something comes up, you gotta take it. And then mama came up and I took it. So you never prepare for it. You just, you just adapt, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you adapt to the change. And, 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 and that's what I did. So you said that you adapted to change. Do you think that's something that you learned from like your upbringing and want to kind of shift focus to your childhood and how you was raised? Do you think being prepared for change is something that you learned uh, since you were young? Did you, did you find yourself adapting a lot or is it uh, something you learned as you went into adulthood? You, you 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 learn as you grow, but also it's probably from my childhood because I wasn't born in this country. So I came to this country when I was eight years old. So automatically I had to adapt to change. Mm -hmm. Different food, the culture, you know. The, um, I was I was walking around like I still had sand in my feet. I was on the beach because I came from the Caribbean, you know. So I had to adapt. You know, they made fun of my they made fun of my speech because I had an mm -hmm. accent. So I didn't talk the whole third grade because I was like, ah, oh, they're making fun of me. I'm not gonna talk. And once I lost my accent, I started talking. So that's, you know, throughout my life, I was constantly adapting to stuff. So that makes me, probably makes it easier for me to adapt, you know, um, as, 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 as I grow. Mm, what part of the Caribbean are you from? Uh, I'm from Guyana in South Guyana. America. Okay. I know a lot, of, a lot of people say uh, Guyana is not the Caribbean because it is South America. It's the only English-speaking country in South America, but it's, 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 it's considered the Caribbean. Hey, I think, that is definitely the Caribbean. I have a lot of friends here from Guyana, so shout out to Guyana really quick. Um, what was your childhood like, aside from like, you know, the transition moving to America and then yeah, I know your third grade experience, but your childhood overall, I'm sure you moved to New York City? Yes, okay. uh, I moved to New York. I moved to New York City in 1987. Um, my childhood was, I was the man of the house since the mm -hmm. third grade because, you know, um, my mother was a single single parent. She had she had three jobs working and trying to take care of her. So I took care of my sisters from the mm -hmm. third grade, get them to school, bring them home. You know you had the rules. Somebody knock yeah. on the door, don't open the door. You know, so <laughs> I was so I was I was doing that since the third grade, taking care of my two little sisters. So mm -hmm. I grew up fast, you know, and I my mother was, she would only let me go outside and play. She won't let my sisters go outside and play. Cause you know, they're mm. girls. Caribbean my parents mom was the more, same way. Oh yeah, Caribbean parents are more strict. Cause it's, 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 you know, guys could get in trouble, but you know, you have less stress on guys, I guess. Women is just tough, you know, things. So my mother never let my sisters go outside. They used to watch me play from outside, outside the window. Oh so, my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> my mom, all my childhood, she would tell, she keeps telling me like, I give you more freedom than I, I'm in like, like looking out, so outside looking in, I don't, I didn't have that much freedom like at all, but whatever. She's like, I give you more freedom because when I was a kid, I used to watch my brother play out. I, I had to sit on the porch. He could do whatever he wants to do. And I was only child for a very long time, but I had a cousin who's like my age. And he could do whatever he wanted to do. But me, I was inside. Forever. Yeah, 
Well, that's that's just that's just female in general. You have to worry about have to worry about a lot more. And I have a daughter too, so I'm I'm going to probably be the same way because you know you have to worry about too much when you have when you have a little girl. So I, my mother, she kept them inside. I was outside, and you know I I I, I gravitated to basketball. You know, so I used to all I went outside to do was play basketball. I didn't go outside to do anything else. And you know I was getting the threats. You better not be doing no, 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 no foolishness in the streets with all the drugs. You know, I grew up in the eighty in the eighties. You know, drugs was very big in, in New mm-hmm. York City. You know, some of my friends was, was you know they were selling drugs to help their parents because their parents were immigrants and they didn't have yeah. jobs, so they they were taking care of the family. So I grew up in and and all that stuff, but I f- found a way to stay away from it. I had good mentors, like yo, know, there's more more things outside New York City because a lot of people growing up back then didn't see things outside New York City but you know I had people talking to me telling me stuff there's more stuff outside New York City basketball could take you a long way and I just I just stuck with the basketball I became good you know and and I just stuck with it and all my friends once I became good in basketball they took care of me kept me away from all that stuff now you can't do this stuff now you're not with us you're not doing this stuff so those are my friends to the day because they kept me away from that stuff I think that's important. Do you find that like uh, meaningful like friendships and connections helped your career just like in general? I know you mentioned earlier like the connection of Monmouth. Um, how was that? Uh, friendships and uh, at the end of the day, I say it all the time. This world's all who you know and who's willing to help you. No one gets anywhere in life without the help of others. Hmm. I am where I am today because I had a lot of people help me along the way. From when I was a little kid, from my friends keeping me away from all, all this nonsense going on in the neighborhood, to my high school teachers telling me, listen, get your education, you could change your life, to the, to the guys in the state park across the street that kept me in the park instead of me being in the streets, like, yo, we're going to keep you in the gym. And then they used to walk me home, you know, to, to threatening the drug dealers in the neighborhoods to leave me alone, don't let me get involved with that stuff. I had help to my college coach seeing something in me and believing in me, calling my mother the first week of school because I had my Yankee hat on to the back, my white T-shirt, and my pant, my jeans off my ass. He saw something to me, called my mother. She called me. What are you doing? I'm coming up there. No, I don't need you to come up here. I did a 180. So people helped me along the way to get to where I am today. And I just try to play it forward and help people too. And the reason I got into coaching is because I wanted to help kids like myself that came from nothing, the opportunity to go to school for free and show them that you can do it. There's people that's born here that end up here, and there's people that's born here that end up here. It's up to you to to, to make a difference in people's lives, and you can change your life. You see, I was going to ask you, like, how was, like, the experiences that you've had, like, with mentorship, with coaches, with just people who, you know, they say your village is really what raise a child and I can see that was evident in your life so now your role as a coach how do you see some of the influences and the impact that was made in your life reflect on how you coach like your coaching style um and just how you lead in general well you know that's that's stuff that you that's knowledge and stuff you acquire along the way but Mm -hmm. um people 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 help me and you take a little bit from every every everywhere you know, I coach, uh, I coach the Canisius, I coach the Lemoyne, I coach the St. Francis. You take a little bit of everything you learn from those places, from the your coworkers, 
your boss, you know, you take a little bit for everything and you incorporate it in your style of leadership, you know? And when I was in college, I was the captain of the team. So I've always been like, uh, you know, I always been like in a leadership position. So, but I led um, with the sense of, I was always smart. Some people can't take you screaming at them. Some people can't. Yeah. So you have to identify people, the, the, the type of way people want to be, be led. So what I, what, what I used to do, I used to always tell people, I would tell you a negative, but I'll reinforce it with a positive, you know, just to keep you thing. Like that, that was a terrible shot. Come on, you can get a better one next time. You're better than that. That mm-hmm. simple, the simple way and sometimes delivery that a lot of people deliver stuff yes. in, a, in a way that is demeaning to people and they don't want to hear that. Nobody wants to hear if you, you, you're chastising them, you know? So mm-hmm. um, it, it just depends on your leadership. And I feel like, you know, I'm not a big screamer and yeller, but I'm gonna tell you the truth. And everything I tell you is facts, you know? So, yeah. I, and I feel like um, because I played and I, I, you know, I still get out there sometimes and, and get shots up with the guys, they respect me more and they listen to me more, you know? And I always tell them all the time, if I was a bad person, or didn't do the right thing when I was in college, I would not be in this position I am today. I would not be a coach, you know? So I always tell, I always tell them that, you know, and they, and they be looking at me like, yo, yo, coach, you're right, coach, you're right. Yeah, because I wouldn't be in this position if I, if, if, if I didn't do the right thing, you know, in, in, in my four years in school. But I just lead on all the knowledge I acquired over all the years of being on this planet, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And, and 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 that's and that's and that's how I go about it, man. It, to me, is the right way. To somebody else, it could be the wrong way. Because in this world, no matter what you do, somebody's always gonna be mad at you and think you're doing something wrong. No matter that's what you do. Yeah. Yeah. I have a great question. I think it's a great question. How do you do? You think that? I know everyone says, you know, obviously you're the coach, right? And so your your kids, they learn from you. But how, like, in what ways do you think you've learned from some of the players that you've had? I think, I think it's a really cool dynamic between, like, a coach and an athlete, and they're so important in both of each other's lives. So how have you learned, and what have you learned from some of the kids that you've coached? Um, well, that, that, is, that is a good question. And the way I would answer that is, you know, as time goes by, people change. These young, the young adults now are not the same as when I was growing up. When I was growing up, everything was built on toughness. You had to be tough. There's no other way, you know. You had to be, you had to be mentally tough. With this day and age, I realized I can't keep preaching that because of how society has um, has changed. You know, with the mental, the mental, mental, mental illness. So you can't be like, oh, you gotta be tough. You can't be soft. What the hell's wrong with you? You can't yeah. do that no more. So I learned a lot from from my from my players in that perspective because you know we we have um we'll have like like they can have therapy. You know, they can go speak to someone if something is going on in their life. Now, as when I play, you better not have nothing going on in your life. You better be tough. You find a way to get through it. I don't care what's going on. You better be in this gym. You better have some. Mental- that's how it was when I played, but now I'm learning like you can't be like that because society's changing and the young adults yeah. are changing, you know. So I have to adapt yeah. to 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 the way that 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 the society's going, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel that my players um 
my players now are teaching me that. And don't get me wrong, some kids are still uh, instilled with the toughness stuff because their parents probably played sports and brought them up that way. But some kids sure. are not like some kids are not like that. So you have to adapt and see. So you know they're teaching me that uh, um, as as time goes on. You know because mm -hmm. this just uh, these the generation of kids are changing constantly. You know because it was a struggle for me coming up, and a lot of the guys. You know when I when 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 I was coming up, we didn't have nothing. We had most of us single parents and stuff. But as time goes on, you see these kids coming from two households. So they, yeah. they they have a better life. They 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 didn't have they didn't have no struggle. So their mentality is totally different, you know. So I you know I have to adapt to that. That's one that's 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 one way. And they teach me that they teach me that every day. Like coach, oh, we're not like that. We're not you know. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, all right, I got you. My fault. I apologize. You know, stuff like that. No, that's so dope. I really love like the see. I didn't grow up playing sports. I grew up around it a lot, but I never. Dang, that's crazy. Like most people, they play a, they play a sport, but I, I did mm -hmm. dance. So there was like that relationship between my dance teachers and me. So I think it's really similar to how it coaches with their athletes. Mm -hmm. But I really think that it's such a valuable um, like relationship. And I know that you pursued your higher education. Is that something that you, obviously you value that. And is it something that you uh, instill in your athletes? Um, obviously they're at a college institution. However, pursuing a higher education, I think you got your master's, if I'm right. So um, why did you get your master's? Why was that important to you? And then is it something that you want to instill in your, your kids? Um, the, reason I got, the reason I got my master's is a funny, funny story. My college coach, as soon as I graduated, wanted to hire me. But I was all league, so I wanted to go play in Europe because I didn't want my, my basketball career to end yet. Mm -hmm. So I broke my foot in California. Oh. So I had to move back to, to I had to move back to Buffalo. So uh, I had surgery with the school doctor. And the school doctor did my surgery free because I was his favorite player on the team. You know, connections. So he, didn't, he, he, he didn't have to do that, but his connections, like you said. And my college coach wanted to hire me. And I and he hired me. I became a division one assistant right away. I didn't have to go through graduate assistant director of basketball operation, video coordinator. I became a division one assistant right away. And one wow. of the stipulations for me getting a job was you have to get your master's. Now I had two degrees undergrad. I had a marketing degree and a business management degree already. I didn't want to go to school anymore, but I was like, you know what? He wants me to get my master's. I'm probably gonna have to get my master's. Then he sat me down and told me, this is the reason I want you to get your master's. You're a young black coach. And when recruiting was, when you were recruiting back then, the young black coaches were only known for recruiting. They couldn't do any, all the other stuff that you have to do with coaching. They just went out oh. and got the players. And he was like, you'll be ahead, be ahead of majority of the young black coaches if you have your masters and your resume. And I want you to be good at everything. Just don't be good at the recruiting, be good at everything. So that stuck with me. And that's why I was like, you know what, he's right. I'm gonna get my master's because he explained it to me why he wanted me to get my master's. Mm -hmm. So that so that's why I went and got my master's. And now with the my players today, we always teach them to get masters. But the landscape of college basketball is forcing all these kids to get their masters because some of these some schools you could graduate in three years, so you pursue your masters right away. We have a kid mm -hmm. right now; he graduated in three years honors program. 
and he's well, pursuing his, he, he's pursuing his masters right now. He could have went to Penn, he could have went to Yale, Harvard, any of the Ivy Leagues, but he chose to come to Monmouth because his father played for my boss. Oh, and his okay. father's like, and so he came to mama for that, but he's a smart kid and he graduated three years now. He's pursuing his master's. But we have, we, you know, we try to tell these kids the, 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 the more education you put on paper, the better you will be in front of employers' eyes. Yeah. You, you know, and with, and as time changed, the master's is becoming more important than the bachelor degree. You know, everybody's going to have to have a master's to get a job in the future. Because as time um, progresses, you know, the, the, it's changing um, every day. Yeah, it definitely is. I think one of the reoccurring themes in our conversation is that times are changing, right? And so we have to, like, adapt the way we do things. A lot of kids at my school, there's, like, a plus one program. So you do your four years of undergrad, but then you could just add one more year and you have your master's degree. And so I think I'm going to take you know advantage of that but yeah, because yeah, it's, no. it just makes the most sense you should um you should definitely take advantage of that like you know, i didn't have no plans of of getting a master's i was going I, I went to college i was a finance major and i was talking to this girl we were in the same class she got an a i got a c i changed my major i said no 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 no, no. you're not you're a. i'm getting a c change my major to business management and then I've realized the marketing degree was four classes more. I'm like, I'm going to be here in the summer anyway. I might as well take it. So I have two degrees undergrad. So that's how I end up um, taking a mm. marketing too and have um, end up with the two degrees undergrad. But I had no plans of, you know, um, being a dual major when I, when I was in school, man. But there's a saying, um, use basketball to advance in, in, in your career. Don't let basketball use you. You know, mm. and I use basketball wow. to the, I use basketball to the fullest that, that that I could use it to my ability, you know, to get three mm -hmm. degrees, you know, and stuff like that. And I never had to pay a school loan back. So yeah. I've been, I've been, I, you know, I've been lucky. I've been blessed, you know, because, you know, I graduated with, with, with my peers that owe hundreds of thousand dollars in loans. Oh, that's so real. That is so real. Uh, I wanted to ask, I know you mentioned it before, that you're a girl dad. And there's a whole, you know, thing, th shout out to Kobe, thanks to Kobe about being a girl dad. And then especially in women's athletics, as a coach, um, how have you seen like the, uh, a change in women's athletics, specifically women's basketball um, over the past couple of years? Uh, it's, it's become more visible with, with, the, uh, with the WNBA. So, you know, um, the little girls, their parents could take them to WNBA games. And now a lot of little girls want to get involved in basketball and sports. I see it with my daughter because I coach. She sees me on TV. She goes to the games. She's, oh, I want to be basketball. She goes to the park. She runs to the basketball court first thing. Now, I really don't want her to play basketball, but, you know, but. What? it's probably inevitable. She's probably going to do it on her own, you know? So, but, um, but I think a lot of the factor in it is that the, the women's game is becoming more and more popular because of the um, television where people have more access to watching it now, you know, mm -hmm. the, the final four, you know, this, this stuff has become big. And especially with the WNBA in the summer, you know, kids, kids can get to go watch women's game. Um, um, 
because the tickets are not that that expensive. So you know, right. parents could take parents could take their kids. So it's more accessible and it's more seen. You know, and I think with everything, the more the more you've seen and social media too. You see all the highlights right. of the women's basketball stuff. So this affects all the little girls. They see the stuff. Oh, I want to be like that because everybody's on social media now. And I think that's one way that social media that that has helped the women's game grow. For sure. Now that you're a father, do you think that um, having a daughter has changed your perspective on women's sports in any way? Like, do you tune in now? Do you tune in? I've, I've always watched women women's sport. I'm okay. a, if you if you're a if you're a basketball guy, whatever basketball's on, you're gonna watch. So I always watch women's sports. If there's nothing to watch, I'm watching the WNBA games. I'm at the Final Four, I watch the women game. You know. Um, I go to our women game at Monmouth. I went to the women's game at, 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 at St. Francis. So I've always watched women's sports. So it's not like it's not it's, it's not new to me. But with with my daughter, you know, if she if she if she wants to play, because you know she has a choice. But if she wants to play, I'm definitely gonna be more tuned in, you know, to 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 the to to the sport. Okay. Okay. So to wrap up, is there any advice that you could give to any like? Anyone about to be a coach, aspiring to be a coach, I think it's a super dope job. So what kind of advice could you give someone who's looking into, into that, that space? Um, it's coaching college basketball is a tough profession, first of all. And I've been very blessed and very lucky to be in the position that I'm in. And I always tell people I'm surviving because there's not a lot of these jobs and a lot of people would love to be coaching in this position. So you have to, you have to take your job serious and love what you do and be appreciative that you're in the position that you're in. And the advice that I would give to someone that's trying to get in the position is the same advice someone gave me. Be good at everything. Just don't be good at one specific thing in, in, in the business. Learn how to do everything and it'll get you farther in life with, 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 with basketball career. And that's the advice that I live on to this day. I'm just good at everything I do, and I try to be the best. And, it, and if I don't know, I learn it quickly, <laughs> you know? Because, you know, I'm old school. When, when I first started coaching, you know, you're using videotapes to, 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 to do the edit. You got to put one videotape in here, one videotape in here. You got to stop it. Now, technology has changed. You could just go press a button on your laptop and record, <laughs> and record it, you know? So I had, yeah. to, I, I had to adapt. So I'm, I'm I'm learning and I make sure I'm up to date with all the technology, you know, because <laughs> I don't want to be this old guy. Oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm up to date with all the te technology. So I adapt all the time, man. But the best advice is be good at everything. Okay. Thank you so much for joining my podcast on Perspective. We're so glad to have you here. Any last remarks of any kind? No, thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate you having me. You know, it's it's always good to get perspectives from different people, especially in different fields of, of, of the careers um, to, to help these kids. Because I think the, the, the young people need to see that you can have success in different um, fields of, and, and in different careers. And you know, they need to hear it from the people that's doing it sometimes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And I will see you guys next time on Perspective. All right. Thank you. Thank you.